intuitive listeners. It's challenging for me to try to sum up the profundity and importance of this episode in a short teaser introduction. The length may be indication just how in flow we fell in this conversation, spoken through the softness of our hearts. Kristen is a true messenger of the heart. I felt so connected just by simply witnessing her pure presence. And I hope you listen and feel a little lighter, a little more at peace, and maybe a little more curious too. It is such a gift to share this with you all. Thank you so much for being here. Today we have a very special soul, Kristen, with us. Um, Kristen calling in from Bend, Oregon, uh, and just got off her brand new horse, right? (laughs) Well, not off, but yes, I just back from oh she's a baby so oh oh so so beautiful what's the how is the season out there for you now I know last year at this time it was still pretty cold (laughs) it's actually been it just started getting warm so it's like it's in the the high 60s today and the sun is out it's kind of we're feeling spring it's really nice Mm. it's so magical I got to meet Kristen uh about a year ago probably um through yoga and then through your energy healing and uh it's cool to be able to be across the country now I'm in Ohio and still able to call and connect with you a year from now and kind of share how the seasons are greeting us so so grateful to have you here with us I was meditating on it beforehand and I feel like I've been doing a lot of um deep and kind of inner work with myself and feel like I'm out there kind of at sea in some way, you know, like just carrying the essence of the ocean and and really flowing with all the energy and the emotion of life and um, the, you know, the experience of what it is to be alive. And I, when I was meditating, I kind of went into that space that I'm in and I um, have always felt really called to you, connected to you through all of the offerings um, that you bring into the world and through yoga, through your energy healing, through uh, your writing, even, you know, just your your voice, everything that you share in this world. Um, and when I was meditating and I kind of saw myself in that space, I saw you coming in as this like guiding light in the ocean, as if like, you know, I was kind of out there. You just have this way of just like bringing me home in some way. Um, bringing my heart home. And I just wanted to start off by saying that and saying thank you for just being such a light in this world. I know you've impacted my life a lot and um, I'm sure so many others. So thank you for being such a light. Uh, Thank you for that reflection so much. So I'd love to start off by sharing a little bit about what you know, what it is that you do. Um, and I kind of, I like to stay away from the word doing, because I think that it's, it's the way that you do it. Um, and everything that you offer, I feel so connected to the heart. And I often, I still am joining your yoga classes from across the country and joining virtually. And I feel like you just have this way of connecting that you always say exactly what I need to hear, or we're, you know, we're moving, we're flowing through a practice that's exactly what my body needed. And you just have this very, um, like, natural and pure connection, it feels. Um, And I'd love if you could share a little bit about kind of like, where that comes from for you, a little bit about your journey um, to where you are sitting here right now. Um, And yeah, just a little bit about what it is that you, uh, what are you putting your heart into? What lights you up? 
It's funny, I so um, I teach yoga teacher trainings, you know, and we are just in the middle of a 14 month uh, journey together with a group of about 20. And um, and I my portion of the training is to teach about the chakras. And um, this weekend that we just did was the heart. And um, I shared with the group I've taught for a long time and that I was really nervous. Like I was suddenly nervous. And I realized I'm actually nervous a little bit right now in this moment. And and part of the reason I think I feel those nerves and I, I did this weekend is that this space, the space of the heart for me, the pure connection you're talking about to, to serve that feels like such an honor and a responsibility. And to, um, I've always stepped outside the door when I teach and asked that I be a, a pure vessel of service. Cause right, I'm a human, I've got all my human parts and all my human materials. And it's not that, it's not that I banish them, but I ask them to be used in service of this, this bigger thing. And the way I got here was um, I didn't ever intend to be a yoga teacher. I didn't actually ever intend to be an energy healer, I guess is the name. I do intuitive healing. I needed to heal myself. I had spent a large portion of my life very anxious, um, very um, organized around doing, like most of our, our, our culture. We've been sort of indoctrinated. The Course in Miracles says it like this, like we've been indoctrinated into a thought system of fear. And with fear comes control. And that was certainly the reality for me. And I had some trauma, some, as we all do, different forms. I had some trauma early in my early life. Um, it was between the year, well, it was pretty much zero to five was where my most traumatic experiences happened. And um, I didn't, those involved were aware, but after it happened, I boxed it up as a lot of us do. and. I became perfect on the outside as best I could. And anyway, when I had my daughter, things started to seep out to, and especially when she was about the age I was when these things happened to me and my control got really intense, my anxiety, all these things. And I remember having a moment where I was in, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, looking in the mirror in my bathroom and looking into my own eyes and um, saying like, I need help. <laughs> I like, I need some help. And it was wild because that, that same day, a woman that I knew actually from Bend called me and she said, there's a man coming here to do a workshop. I don't really know what he does. Do you want to come and do it with me? And I was, a, I was actually a school teacher at the time. And um, it just, you can't take vacation whenever you want it when you're a school teacher. It just happened to be this random weekend that we had off because of construction or something. It just all worked out. Mm. And his name is Jonathan Goldman. He's one of my primary teachers. And um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I went there and I did this workshop and it was very uncomfortable to me. It was very, very strange. I had been doing yoga. I'd done yoga most of my life. I was doing it very physically um, to alleviate anxiety. And I knew it was helping me get more embodied. But um, this, the next thing that happened is that this was sort of the inner yoga. And I went to this workshop and I did not understand it. Um, it made me very uncomfortable. 
which I was told would happen. No one could describe what was happening. It's much more mainstream now. This was about 15 years ago, 12, 15 years ago. And, um, but I, there's something about it. I was like, there's truth here. And I had done therapy and things and, but this was like coming into the healing in my own body and reconnecting to my, my intuitive body. Like the wisdom of the body is so, so surpasses the mind and always walking the line of intuition versus instinct. So often our instinct can get really tangled in our wounding. And so there's like this higher, there's this like, you know, we talk about in yoga, bringing the energy of the lower chakras upward. So bringing the energy of the instinct where the, and where the wounding lives up to the heart to come out and be aligned with what I call like the energetic, no religious connotation, the energetic cross, the truth and the love and expressing from here. And so I ended up doing every workshop this man offered and I ended up doing his energy healing. He was an acupuncturist for 25 years and then he started doing energy healing and there were doctors and nurses there. And I remember hearing one doctor say like, wow, I don't know what I was doing before I started looking at this different, this another model of healing. And you can see my hands, like it's healing through this place versus this place or this place. This place thinks that there's a problem to be fixed. This place knows our wholeness and is a template that's already there. So this, I was like, I just follow, I just was like, here's my teacher. And, um, and I continued to study physically, like the asana practice and yoga and also studied with him. And, um, I hear I am 15 years later and I didn't do it to practice. I just, people started to notice changes in me and they would ask me and my people were gravitating to what was coming through in my classes because I was getting pure and pure as far as how the energy moved through me. And, um, and then I, um, I started practicing energy medicine after doing his three-year course and panicked. I was like, I would be in the room and I would be so activated and I would feel all my stuff. And I, know I sucked and I did it. I did his course again, swearing <laughs> I was never going to practice energy medicine because it was so intense. And, but it called me and, and, and it kind of, my journey put me in my place and, um, I sort of, I always joke that I work for something, someone, I work for someone or something and I, I don't advertise. I never have. I don't, I it, it come that it just comes, people come to me like you who are on the same journey are follow, walking the same path. And I do think we're all on it, but when we're ready, we kind of find those people and we walk together. Mm -hmm. right? in you this like real awakening and we call it like the awakening of the heart on earth like mm -hmm. having the heart together on earth and then i meet these beautiful people like you who are mm -hmm. doing in different ways right you're doing it through medium and you got called here and i just said to you before you turn this on right it really feels like this is where you are you it feels right where you are meant to be the way that you hold this platform to express the same thing i'm doing <laughs> other way well, my, my some people don't like this but my teacher used to call it the secret army of the heart um some people don't like the word army but it's a beautiful idea right we're all like planting our seeds wherever we are you know and awakening them in ourselves so that mm -hmm. we can be 
Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I, I often refer to myself as a gardener. You know, I'm, I'm maybe doing art or I'm uh, practicing poetry or, uh, you know, holding this space for this platform, this podcast. And it's like, it's all the seeds. It's planting the seeds. Um, and yeah, very, very similar. I thank you so much for being open and vulnerable and sharing your story and your journey too. It's really beautiful and inspiring and powerful to see. Um, and even that moment that you shared that was very raw of like, you know, even after going through this journey and um, going through the three-year course, then you had that panic of like, I'm, I'm going to do it again. Because <laughs> um, that's, you know, even when you, you're following that truth and you're following that like guided heart space, um, you can still, you know, the mind is still in play. And so it's a practice, I think, maybe lifelonger, you know, of balancing, um, balancing all of those, the energies within us. And, and yeah, like you were saying, that kind of purifying energy that you continue to just, you know, growing that light within you even further. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I align so much with your journey too. I also, I often say that we are self-healing and um, I myself, you know, still have um, history or I had history with anxiety and I'm still, you know, coming around to finding these different little ways that it sneaks in and, and learning a little bit more um, every time and deepening my connection with myself through every every wave of, um, you know, what my mental health gives me. Um, <laughs> and so what I, something that stood out was that you said was like, um, you know, we have, we have these ways that our body is teaching us. Um, and you, you mentioned like this trauma that you experienced when you were so young and something that I've learned in my healing is like that trauma, you said, you kind of put it in a box. Um, and that's like this energy that lives within you. And over time now, and through your practice, you've been able to release that energy. And like you're saying, coming into that that purifying um, kind of cleansing sense. And what's so beautiful is like with trauma, with any, any of those energies that we carry, um, I like to believe that like, you know, at age zero to five, you didn't know, you didn't have the capacity to release that trauma then. And now you, you get to over time. And um, like you were saying, there's the difference of the logical knowing and then what the heart knows. Um, and I think so often in my journey with anxiety, you know, I've, I've been in therapy for years. I've, I've done a lot of different pathways of getting to know my anxiety, understanding where it comes from. And it's like, there's no end. Like it, it, we just keep going further into, okay, well, I found the root within me um, and my life experience. And then there's like, you know, our nervous system, our bodies carry so much energy beyond our lifetime even where, you know, I was finding patterns from like ancestors or from my mother when she was carrying me in the womb or you know, all of these different energies that we pick up that we carry. Um, and I was, I was really like in therapy and in, you know, all this other work I've been going in and, and digesting and going down to the root, but the root just kept going deeper and getting farther, which I think is such a beautiful thing. And the gift of healing is that there is no end and we get to continue to grow that light and, and to expand into that, that space of healing beyond our lifetime and into these generations and into this, this larger mm -hmm. space. Um, 
but yeah, I, I related so much to what you're saying because there's, there is the, I think it's really great when you can go into that sort of cognitive sense of healing where you're releasing and you're processing the trauma and you're um, letting go. But what's been so huge in my healing is really just being comfortable in the being, just like letting it all be with me, letting it all be a part of who I am. And there's like, I, for so many years, I was accepting of my past and, and the, the trauma that I've carried, the challenges that have come up. Um, but there is a difference I found in like acceptance and forgiveness and like really coming into this full body of compassion for self that's been able, I've now, as I continue to grow into that space of compassion, it's like, there, it's never ending. Um, and yeah, I don't know, just wanted to share a little bit about my my journey there. Uh, very similarly, it's been a lot of um, getting to know, getting to know the inner, the inner workings and the, the heart, um, the knowing of the heart and letting that guide inside out. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And you're what you're, you know, one of the things that Jonathan taught me to watch people's hands. Hands are an extension of the heart and they let us know what, what's happening energetically in the body. And, you know, where compassion lives in the energetic system is actually right where you are indicating right here in the emotional body of the heart is where compassion lives. And, and, in, and it has been my experience and what I was taught that in the space of compassion, which is complete neutrality, compassion is, and it doesn't mean it doesn't have action, but it is a place where we sit back and we, it's like the words to it are like, you've got this, right? You've got this. And it's, it's, um, and it's in the, in a place where we can just hold the knowing that, uh, everything is in process, remembering itself as the template of love and health. And that no, my you would always say nobody heals nobody. Because when we go into what I call the third chakra, which is like, I, you know, I learned this again, a lot of what I talk about, I have now gone on to kind of incorporate all the teachings of yoga, which I've studied for a long time. And Lot, lot. I've studied lots of things. I, I studied world religion and the science of belief and every story, every archetypal story is saying the same thing with different in different ways. And I and I love that. But we are making this leap right of from the third chakra, which the third chakra is the place where our ego identity, our costume lives. It's it's what I call the adolescent self. It's very it very conscious. It's the ego self, very conscious of its image. How is it being perceived? It also has like kind of two modes when it's out of balance. One, it's trying to control everything. And the other one, it's it's quitting. It's like the rebel, like, you know, forget it. And it's very connected to the, the human mind, right? We try to control through the mind. We try to analyze, fix, right? And it, it's um, often an anxious pattern that we've been, again, indoctrinated into. And so we're trying to make this like six inch walk up and six inch walk down to have to this place, which is the place of pure presence. It's just the place where we can actually touch eternity. And, and when we think when we are in touch with eternity, compassion is very big. And then what you spoke to so beautifully, Emily, is the, the place of forgiveness, right? So again, what I know about forgiveness from both learning and then also my own experience, forgiveness happens 
when you've gone through the entire activation of the system. So forgiveness, you can't just will yourself into forgiveness. We have to breathe into our hearts, allow the activation, the anger, the grief, all of it churns and churns and burns and we breathe and we, like you just said, you sit in the center of it and then forgiveness is, it's done. It's all done. And the, the person, the situation is simply the activator that activates the energy in the system. And then we, through our devotion to being with it, like you said so beautifully, to our devotion to being here for it versus numbing, distracting. And even what you talked about in your head, storytelling, right? The story of our, of our suffering is important for us to recognize that it's a story. It, it's, it's, we never throw anything out. It's all and in the heart, it's all and. But I always like to say like, you know, you were describing it as you spoke about your journey and a woman, um, my teacher's teacher, a woman named Bashinha who was in Brazil and she's passed now, but um, she would always say that you are the captain. Like you are the, you are the, the keeper of the kingdom, right? And we have a, a kingdom, queendom, we have a whole like universe. We have a whole world right in here, right? We've got lots of different characters in here, right? We've got all this. And so it's the, the journey to healing is who's in the center? Who is the benevolent, loving one in the center? And I say this when I teach, we call, I always say, call everyone in to listen to your breath because the breath is the bridge between it is like hidden in the breath I always say is a secret like it's like listen to your breath as if it knows the secret you've been looking for listen to it that much and then all of the rowdy ones everyone comes in and those are all energy so everyone talks about wanting to get rid of stuff like the yo we don't want to get rid of it we want to actually bring it in and transform it we want it to come and listen to our breath and let it remember who it is so I always say like when we, you know, when we're kids and we think we see there's like a slipper under the bed and we're like, oh my God, it's a monster. It's a monster. It's a monster. Right. Until we bring it into the light and we're like, oh, it's a slipper. Right. It's mm -hmm. just, a slipper and we can use it to make our feet nice and cozy. Right. It's like, everything is love in disguise. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going to bring up one thing because it did come up this weekend and it does come up a lot when we talk about the heart. People will say like, well, I, you know, how do you get anything done? And, and aren't you being naive and bad things happen and you got it. Okay. And so what I was, what I like to speak to a lot in my, again, I have to honor my teacher so much because uh, he really helped me understand that there is a difference between discernment and judgment. And this goes into intuition. And I know this is a podcast devoted to intuition, which is incredible um, that that discernment is in a moment, there is a yes or a no. We have our feet on the ground. We have our senses open and there is a yes or a no. And it's, it's, it's underneath all our conditioning. And we often don't even know why it's a yes or a no, but it's a, right. Like someone asks you to do something and you're like, well, I should, I should do that. I mean, why wouldn't I? I'm going to get so much out of it. I really like the first. And there's something in you that's a little like, whoa, like, hmm. And, and we, we look at like, is it a pattern? Like, is this like a pattern of, of isolating or, or is there just something there? And, and I always say our intuition is underneath all the noise. 
it's just this really, it's like your own pendulum. So I'm like, you know, in new age spirituality, people like pendulums, right? Because we get so much noise, but it's like your own pendulum inside. We can even do with the body, like muscle testing and stuff. You lean towards things, you lean away. I have been, my journey has been to really start to hone in on my guidance system that bypasses my mind. Like I know my system knows where I need to be and when I need to be there. And sometimes I don't want to, and I'm, that's where I need to be. And sometimes I want to, and that's not where I need to be. And it's been a long journey. Um, but to get everyone quiet first, because all like we have like the teenager running the show. Often, most people I see in relationship, they're they're you know their second chakras and their third chakras are in relationship. Their teenager and their little child are in relationship, and they're wanting to be in an adult relationship, and they they don't even recognize right. We don't recognize it's actually our teenager and our child relating. So working our way up to the heart in this place where where we're just listening to our breath with our feet on the ground and making decisions with discernment, right? Because there is a lot of this, anything goes and like, and that's actually what my teacher would call floating heart. And I went through that stage of a floating heart. It actually caused a lot of destruction. Where Can I just, relate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be grounded. He always teaches to be grounded on earth centered in the heart and receiving our light, our presence, our, you know, ourselves, what the world receiving. But, um, but yeah, I went from controlling everything to just floating around. And then you, you know, then you come back to center and it's like this vertical pole, really important to support the horizontal of the heart. Oh, everything you said was so beautiful. And I, I can definitely relate. I think love and and the heart chakra is air right the element of air um so i feel like you know as i've gone through my journey and i i yeah i love the curiosity of um who am i and what am i here for and you know i love all of that and anytime i'm i get caught in the mind on that i just say like i go back to the heart and i root into the heart um with the heart of you know the air then i i found myself just floating <laughs> And I think it's beautiful. I, I, you know, I experienced a lot of really great things with the floating heart. Um, but the journey really over even the past few weeks and months has been to root into the heart, to root into that, like to really to be here. So like you have to have some sort of like stability for that to like you were saying, to have that horizontal plane. Yes, yes, yes. And it, amazingly, it is the teachings of yoga as well, because we create through the bandhas, like through the real connection and engagement of our core, we create a solid foundation, feet planted for the heart, right? So we're mm -hmm. always foundation for the expression of, of the heart. And I think what can be really difficult is that a lot of people, because, you know, being born is traumatizing. Like just being born, you wake up and this is a really, life is a very intense experience. It's incredible and it's a lot, right? So <laughs> a lot of us are a little ambivalent about whether or not we want to be here fully. Like some, you know, we're kind of like, well, there's this, like we're afraid to die, but we're actually afraid to live too. And we're, we're sort of like, when is this over? But yet that's really scary. And so there's this fluctuation between like, have I committed to being here? Do I trust life enough 
to be here for it, right? And we see this in our numbing and we, we can numb through control, we can numb through substances, right? We can numb through all kinds of things. But a lot of times I see people have a pulled up root. Um, and I did, I have that, which is like when things start to poke a place where I'm like, I'm not sure I'm safe here on earth and I'm not sure that anything's got me, I will pull up my root. And then we actually, the funny thing about that is we're not safe because we're not making clear decisions about our own health and safety. We're sort of like letting, you know, they're that letting decide. Yes. And right. So I, for me, this has been a journey to God, what I call it, God, people call it many things. It's the power. No one can name. It is the force. You've heard me say it in class, the force behind the sunsets. It's what, what creates this body over and over every moment. Like, that I, I have developed in 2000, I think it was in 2010, I remember I was sitting at a New Year's Eve dinner. And, you know, I, I grew up with recovering Catholics, my parents, you know, and, and uh, you know, I was really fine with anything but Christian, Christian symbols, like I was okay with anything anyone talked about blue people suit you know anything but just don't give me christianity don't give me christian symbols um that was sort of what i was indoctrinated into and i but there was a with that whole thing came a lack of connection to source like there was and i think i shared this with you i a lot of times because people can be afraid to um connect to religion some people um, then they, they go really big with it. Like I, I believe in great spirit or the spirit and the, the universe. And it's really big for our human selves. And Richard Rohr talks about us needing to be in relationship with the divine, our human parts. And so, you know, me developing a relationship with my divine parents, right? Like, I mean, parents we have parents we have and everyone gets to develop that in and of themselves i now really love i, I come from irish catholic people i remember um uh one of the the men at, at standing rock had said um you know everyone's flocking to standing rock and and was adopting you know these these traditions that that didn't come originate with them and i remember he said um one of the elders said listen know your roots and, and explore them, right? So for me, Christian symbology is in my roots. It tells the same story as Hindu symbology. And like, it's telling a very similar story in different ways. Like, and I'm always trying to find that, but anyway, I digress my, or I expand, I don't know. But my whole, <laughs> uh, in 2010, I was sitting at a, just, you know, kind of like a, kind of a socially thing. And, you know, socially things for me where I could pretend, but I, I didn't really like them very much. I felt, I felt like kind of uncomfortable and a, a little bit like I had to effort a lot, but I was sitting at this and this was with some dear friends actually. And I, we were making our, what did we want for the year 2010, I think. And I said, I want to know God. I was like, I want to, I want a relationship with God. And it wasn't in any sort of religious way. It was just, I want to know my source. I want to know what's got me for real. And that sent me on a wild journey. Where are we? 2023. And, you know, you make these prayers and something hears you, right? Something hears you. And, um, and that, and that really recognizing and learning that we get our energy purely. If we want pure energy, we got to go through the ground 
and through source. So I call them the two different parents, right? We've got the ground, the feminine, the mother, and the, the light, God, the source, the father. That's, that's how I say it. But as my teacher would say, don't get hung up on the words, the clothes. It's a vibration. And um, mm -hmm. us, as I've talked to you about, Emily, we tend to, we learn to get energy horizontally from the second chakra through affirmation, through taking other people's pain and them saying, I won't leave you because you're here with me. And, and then the third chakra, which is like, we're going to connect and I'm going to get energy from you because you're going to be my fixer and I'm going to need you or I'm going to fix you. And, and it's not pure and pure sources of energy. We're just kind of rotating material back and forth. And so energy medicine is about cleaning that up and really pulling that energy back in, moving it up the system, connecting to our source here and our source here, and then expressing through the heart. Oh, wow. <laughs> so much of what you said, I just, yeah, you're like speaking my language over here. I think um, something very interesting that you brought up. So I also, I was raised Catholic, went through Catholic schooling all through high, like kindergarten through high school. So I grew up going to religion classes and, you know, going to church every week and everything like that. Um, so a part of my journey has been sort of like, like I was saying, like, I love, I love uh, the curiosity of it really drives me um, and kind of questioning things, but from a place of love and, and like wanting to uh, learn more and understand what resonates with me. Um, and and through that experience, I I've kind of come into my my own belief system more. Um, but with that, and I don't know how this resonates with you, or um, even if you have some guidance. But I something lately ha has that's been coming up is like, do I carry any limiting beliefs? Because um, I I found myself expanding. I was like, sure, I'll I'll literally like I'll believe anything, and not in like a naive way, but like. I believe in all of it. Like, I think there is a lot of crossover between a lot of different religions and in my experience. And, you know, I've, I've been to a Buddhist temple, like I, I've been exploring it and going around and there's little bits here and little bits there and all of these things that all like kind of everything overlaps and comes together in this great big belief system. Um, and what I found with organized religion in my experience, and even as I've come in, into it and my own journey and, and what I've formed and what I call in, like you were saying, kind of calling in your own um, guides and, and, you know, who you connect with. Um, I found myself caught in a few like limiting beliefs um, and that sort of coming through and like, like where, where am I blocking myself from, from growing? Um, because I'm, I'm stuck thinking that I am it's it's the I am it's the the resonation of I am this or I am that and then I was kind of caught limiting myself if that makes sense and I think that's the that's the pure surrender that's been the practice for me of surrendering into into faith um into just love um and letting go of like I was saying like the limiting beliefs feels like my mind is trying to understand something that only the heart can know um if that, does that make sense <laughs> and say so it completely makes sense and so there's it's interesting 
we're we know and when we're talking about the chakra system right i as i was saying to the the folks we we're working with this weekend there can be this tendency to throw out the what i call the third chakra the the part the, the logical mind and the ego and say like that's bad and the heart is the place and yet we're bringing everything online right and and we are in what i call the land of stories like we are living mythology we are in a storyland so you know and you're you're a, um you're a different generation than i am and so i do see watching um you guys who are in your like you know late 20s early 30s um there is a there is a different way there is a different way and there is a there's a different there's something different emerging um and and i think i think each generation is born with a little bit more consciousness i'm noticing like a little bit a little bit freer in in these places where we can get limited now that being said it was interesting so um i have some friends who are sufis and and um one of the things that cd had said to them cd was sort of the the living uh father of of the path and he's pets now but he was a holy man and um and i don't want to speak too much to this because i don't i didn't follow the path so but he did say and I've heard this also from like Richard Freeman and um, he said, pick a path and pick a path because there's a, there's a, there's a wheel here and there's a center and every, there's a path to the center and what can happen now that doesn't mean it has to be a religion, but we have to be discerning because what can happen is that, and I see this a lot, which is like we walk and Richard Freeman talks about this. He, he says it in terms of digging, but we walk here and we hit the stuff. And then we're like, uh, I'm gonna move over here to Buddhism. And then we're like, this is great. I feel so good. I feel the light. And then we hit the thing. And then we're like, okay, I'm gonna move over here and, and I'm gonna move over here. And we we circumnavigate the center. For, we can do that forever. I think it's I think it's also archetypal. And Richard Freeman, who is an incredible yoga, uh, Ashtanga yoga person, he says we dig down six feet, we hit the sludge, we pick up our shovel, we move over, we dig down six feet, pick up our shovel, and he said we do this. So I my what I have seen, and in my own life that 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 you have to they're 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 needs to be something that will take you through. Now, life is gonna do it regardless. Life will do it. And we're all gonna meet our death at the, at, you know, which is to me not death at all, but it's death, not the death we perceive. But there is, a, um, we can limit ourselves by being too big. Do you know what I mean? By being too unlimited. Uh, yoga will say sometimes like commitment is the way we find freedom, structure, actually creates a container for us to go deep within so it's been a study of mine um because there's a lot around even in our culture we don't we want to be free like we don't want to be told what to do we're scared of religion of course um a, a, many people are not everyone but we're scared because we've seen that it can take the human like the human mind can take anything and you through its wounding you know wreak havoc so it's an interesting thing to watch our own, to watch 
where we might decide to turn around. And sometimes it can be um, this limiting beliefs. See, how do I say it? Sometimes the idea of limiting beliefs can be limiting. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's this thing of not wanting to be caged in, but at the same time, heat and pressure creates the diamond. So sometimes we do need the container to create enough pressure. Eventually we're gonna drop it all. Eventually we're gonna drop it all. But, um, but I, you know, again, I come from yoga and I, I, which is more of a guru based practice. I do believe it's important for us, but this is just me. It was important for me, I'm going to say, to have a teacher, to have a teacher and to um, have a path. Um, for me, it was really important. Um, and um, yeah, but again, I am also very aware, you know, I believe we saw this through COVID, that what is right for me is right for me. And that like one of the, the elders in Brazil, um, she would say, you know, and I think it's a 12 step thing. If you want what I have, do what I do. So a lot of, in what I know, it's like, okay, we embody a vibration and people will start to tune their instruments and they'll be like, oh, what do you do to tune your instrument? Because your instrument is tuned to a vibration that my body remembers and wants to also be tuned to. So then it's the invitation to say, okay, well, here's what I do. This is what I do, but I think it's a lot of this is about our own tuning and 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 um, being really careful, especially as we speak, not to proselytize a solution or a way, but instead to give. You know, I've been in. Uh, you know, I think we actually don't share this at this level, but you know, I'm very familiar with twelve step work and um, in many ways, like uh, Al Anon and these things and. Um, you share your experience. You know, the third chakra wants to give you the, the solution. And this big in my work, I have to be super careful. If this part of me that wants to fix, it's a there's an archetypal triangle that lives in the third chakra and it's victim, perpetrator, savior. And if you're if you find yourself in any one of those roles, you're gonna find yourself in all three. So if someone decides you're their savior, you better believe at some point they're gonna believe that you're their perpetrator. And if you believe, right, that that there are victims, you will at some time point be a victim. Like it's a it's a it's a way up model. So pulling out of that, being really careful um, when I do my work, um, and when we are just being with other people, recognizing when we're just sharing our experience and our way, versus trying to offer someone a way to solve something. You know, we saw it when we tapped I, I believe, I mean, it was mm -hmm. like that they knew the way and I think everybody had a way that was probably right for them. Um, yeah. And honoring that for people, honoring everybody else's way and sh sharing yours. And if it resonates, like my way has resonated quite a bit with you and those people that work with me and come to my classes and not everybody, not everybody, you know, so. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
you mentioned like the lower chakras and the importance of kind of bringing those in and how they do provide that stability for the heart and that kind of opening to the the horizontal it's it's like the the vertical um alignment that opens to the horizontal can you share um in your experience or in your teachings of like how how do we something that's coming up a lot um, now too is like idea of like ego death and it's like everyone you know learning more about the ego and killing off the ego and i you know there's people that may walk around and they're like my ego's gone like it you know i'm totally detached or i've killed it or whatever and i've even said that in times too and i'm just like oh yeah she's you know over there but i think um what i've learned in my experience is like it's so important to know the ego and uh, there's like a balance of working with the ego um, to like, like we we're saying, to have that stability for the heart and to have that vertical alignment into earth. Um, so I'm curious in your experience, like, like, is there like, how do we play with um, the self and the soul? And like, how do we balance the ego and, and let that um, rise to, to really create that greater space for love to grow? Mm, that's such a good question. And yeah, you know, it's interesting because what's really helped me with the energy model is understanding where things live, right? So in the model that I practice and study, the ego lives in the in the third chakra. Like that's the seat of the ego. And you know, honestly, I don't I don't know that we could exist here. I mean, I think the ego is the costume, right? It's a big costume party, as I always say. We're at this big costume party and um, you know, the way that I have seen it is literally like we get to pick out, I mean, there's these things that we get to pick them out of a cosmic closet, put them on and come into this, you know, and you hear it and, you know, I think it was, um, in Anthony DeMello's book, Awareness, he taught, he, I think it's where I first heard of it, but the divine game, the ancients called life, the divine game, Leela. And, um, and so the costume is important right you to come to earth you've got to have an earth suit and it's a it has a personality and an ego and it's got a physical way it looks and so yeah the ego is afraid of dying because when we leave here the ego the personality and the in the physical costume yeah we leave those those die with us when we go so getting to know what is underneath that allows us to actually enjoy the experience a lot more right so it's like all this talk about waking up, waking up, waking up. Well, it's sort of like, okay, well, why? And, you know, and it becomes another achievement from the third chakra. The ego is like, okay, I've got to achieve this, you know? And so for me, what it is, is recognizing that to me, the, the ego is the, the, the adolescent one inside of us. It's the, it's like I think I said earlier. And so it's like when that one is reaching out, right? It's reaching out to be seen when it's, re we know that it's actually energy is not flowing upward. When it's reaching out to fix, energy is not flowing upward, right? It's, it's actually flowing out. When it's doing things of its own accord, when the ego is doing things to serve itself, we're just leaking. So what we want to do in terms of the work I do is bring it in service of the heart. So when we start to see it reaching out, like, you know, we, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh my God, okay, that's my, my teenager. Like, I, I need someone to tell me I'm okay, or I need to fix someone, something, the world, right? 
there is a difference between being of service to the highest good of the world and just thinking the world is terrible and we need to fix it. And that's where a lot of us are. And we're coming from a place, the energy behind that thought is fear. So everybody is trying to heal the world and, and dumping more fear into the world. So I actually went to a place in Sedona and talked to this woman, she was in her seventies and she was talking about the grid. She's like the human grid is riddled right now with fear. And so if you're gonna go into the human grid, bring with you gratitude, bring with you gratitude because it's an anecdote, right? An energetic anecdote. So when we're dealing with energy, it's like we become masters of our own mind. And I know a lot of this, you know, from my classes, but like I start to hear, let's say I hear a voice that's like, um, you can't like, if you do that, this and this is gonna happen. We'll get caught up in the content of that. But really all that is, is doubt. That's a nice package of doubt with a lot of details. So we get, it gets us because we're like, oh, I better like spin around in there because there's a warning. And then we're going, you see, I'm off to the side. I'm not here, right? I'm like pulled off to the side and all that. So we were like, oh, that's doubt. And then it's like, okay, that's doubt. I know doubt. Bring it in. Listen to my breath. That's connected to the ego. Right? It's connected. So it's like if I'm my if I'm in service of like a lot of people will say like I'm in service of love or I'm in service of peace, then we have to just recognize when the ego is going out and actually creating havoc, and we bring it back in and we put it in service. Right? It's the doer. So the ego personality can do things on earth. Right. Without that, we wouldn't be able to do anything. And there's this funny thing. I love this, but like, I forget where I got this from, but it was like, if you're, there's a lot of talk, like, oh, that person's so in their ego. If you're, you can only notice that if you're in yours, like you can, you know, there's this, a lot of this, like ego shaming, you're, that person's in their ego. I mean, <laughs> like you can, you can only identify an ego from your own ego. So it's a, it's a really funny funny thing. So for me, it's like understanding that like, this is a costume, you've got a costume on. Namaste means I, I see your higher self and my higher self are winking. I see you underneath the costume, the, you know, whatever the, the, the quirks and all that stuff. And to me, it's more about understanding and loving, like you're at a costume party, like, wow, look at yours. I love, I love all of this. I love, um, I love the playfulness of it too. It's like, yeah, we're all at a costume party. Like, what are you wearing today? And you know, how how are we showing up? And then, um, and then even beyond that, like, how can we like come into harmony and put this play on together? Like, if we are all in in these costumes, how can we how can we put on like a really great production? <laughs> oh yes, and that great. Oh my gosh, Emily, because um, also recognizing like we are. In, this is a beautiful teaching, which is that in the more we actually embody our uniqueness, the more we connect to our oneness. So we have this opposite thing where we think, okay, we all need to be the same. But the celebration of the, of the like, we're like a puzzle, right? So it's like every, if I try to make myself into your shape, the puzzle's missing something, right? So this idea of like, we're actually doing the yoga practice. We're doing our spiritual path to become more of who we are, but lightly, loosely. Like, you know, I, you heard me teach, like we come into yoga and our insides are all soft and our outsides are really like, 
world. And then through our connects to our center, we get strong here and then we can just be playful with the outside, right? We're just, we're like, we wear life loosely. We wear our costume loosely. It's not so tight, you know? Mm-hmm. But then we're so much kinder to each other. And then I also think, you know, like we were doing with your podcast, we're reminding each other that we're not the costume. You're not the costume, right? Just And in these vibrations that yoga talks about, like the, the vibration of peace, the vibration of faith, the vibration of forgiveness, all these things, these are the universal vibrations, that are the essence of who we are. That's like the awakening of the Atman. They say in yoga, the seed within us. We are that. Like, that's who we are. We are that. And then having an experience and, you know, being, we're in school to remember mm-hmm. what we align with. You know, what are we serving? And the gateways to the heart, and this is um, the gateways to the heart are humility and calm and and humility is is that what do we you know you hear me say what do we bow to what humbles us what what you know like and our you know our egos are like teenagers like look at how good you know (laughs) and then you know and it's also the ego trying to pretend the ego isn't there Right. So it's like we we all have these parts and then we put them in service. Like may when I teach, I'm always like, okay, let all my human parts serve what I like to say. I want to bring truth. I want to bring this, this, the truth and the love, which in the center is peace and forgiveness. And that's always that's what I serve. I serve whatever this is, right? And all religions and spiritual paths have a different way of naming it, but so I've always loved Paramahansa Yogananda because he's always a church of all religions. He's got Jesus and Krishna, and he's got everybody on the altar, you know, all these avatars of embodied peace. Like Jesus, I love Jesus. Jesus is just a, a costume for forgiveness to me. I know for others, it's not the truth, but for me, he's a, he's a costume for, for, uh, forgiveness and um, faith and love. And so if I need a teacher, I can call that one or Krishna, you know, Krishna is that. And that these are the avatars that our human parts can relate to them because God's so big. It was a beautiful understanding for me, like with that whole Christian teaching of like, you have to go through Jesus to get to God. And everyone has either people believe it so fully and so literally, which may be true, or people are like, that's ridiculous. There needs to be no middleman. But what it's really saying is that God is, this concept of God is so big, our human, we can't get there with our human selves. Like it's so big, we'll explode. So then there's like this little, like there's this little piece that we can have a relationship with that lives inside of us because every archetype is in us. Every archetype lives inside us. So we are that. And so I, you know, I, I will call and then I'll, I'll ask these different avatars. Like in yoga, we, we meditate on deities. We're doing this with our group. And these deities have certain qualities like Saraswati. It's like beauty and music. And so you, you call it from inside you, right? Because Saraswati lives inside me and inside you. And we can call them through music, through song, and they will come and express themselves through us, you know? And so they're all like, we can actually like 
call on these parts. It's so cool. It is so cool. It also is just bringing back to the whole idea and the concept of energy healing and how like we we have those abilities to connect um, by calling in like by playing that song that allows us to connect by moving those vibrations moving our bodies with them and allowing those like healing vibrations the healing energies to come through us and to you know growing in unity with them it feels like um, and, and being being with them um i'd love to talk a little bit about like you know some sort of like how how to's like this is all such a really great just i'm excited to listen back to this myself because there's a lot of teachings here <laughs> um but yeah i i'd love to hear like like what next what can what can we do with this i guess um so i'm i something that came up while you were talking about the um working with the ego and the like doubts or you know the all of the things that live in the third chakra. Um, I I find the the thing that I've been working through is obsessive thought, um, which mm -hmm. I believe lives lives there as well. Um, and, and that's where my anxiety gets caught in this obsessive thought pattern. Um, and so a practice for me, you know, I have a, a lot of practices. It might be one I kind of I like to go through it with presence of like noticing the obsessive thought and saying like, okay. Uh, let, let's see, do I want to meditate? Do I want to go for a walk? Like, what does, what do I need with this right now to nurture um, this energy that's, you know, it's trying to move me, how can I move with it? Um, and so lately, like with something like that, it's like, I'm taking it out to the garden and I'm pulling weeds and I'm doing it with presence and saying like, okay, just one more. And one, you know, I'm not like obsessing over how many and what's going on. I'm just, being very present to each weed and its individuality and just kind of being there and letting go of, of the thought patterns and, and sort of having some sort of um, body movement. It feels so important there and kind of clearing that obsessive thought pattern of the mind to put my body and my hands into the dirt to like root into that release. Um, so I'm curious, um, what that may look like for you and your experience and any sort of guidance you may have for our listeners of like what how can we how can we work to um bring that full alignment to allow to really create space for those lower chakras to rise to our heart to to give out to the like you've been saying that horizontal plane of of love such a good question, you know, and it's funny because, um, you know, I've spoken a lot about Jonathan and Jonathan's wife, um, Jane, is a really important uh, mentor to me. Um, and she is uh, an incredible person. And she's, she's, she talks about actually taking anxious energy and putting it into action. And she is a talk about topwood carry water. She is a woman, she's in her early 70s the woman is like i mean she is chopping firewood she is like tending the hearth she is and she just gets it done and it's interesting because she has said that she's like just take that anxious energy and put it make it a be let it be of service to the world 
And so I think that is one way, right? You're weeding, right? It's one one way and focusing on one thing at a time. And that's a meditative state. And then there's another um, another woman. Um, I love to honor all my teachers, all the ones that came before. Another woman, Anastasia Armstrong, who I, I work with, and she's a dear friend and also mentor. And one of the things that she's really helped me hone in on um, is... Uh, is this idea of when that happens, it's a protection. So it's actually disembodiment, right? So you're you're going up and out. And so going in and finding where in the body that lives and letting it burn, like literally letting yourself burn. So, you know, again, this idea of activation that she was taught me, like something activates you, right? Something activated that thought. So it's an opportunity to create energetic activity. There's somewhere in the body that that lives, but we're really to go in and feel it in our bodies, like to feel the tingle in the arms, the ache, and without any thought, the thought is actually, a, it's your protection. And most people have it. It's a protective mechanism for, for so we don't have to feel. Because there's something in you that's like, I might die if I actually feel this, right? So I'm going to just try to keep myself here, right? It's all, it's all usually in the right shoulder. And so it's like, okay, coming, coming in and down into the body and feeling like the burn in the gut and the, right? And like the, that deepening of the breath. So those are two ways. And usually that, like when I trust that that's actually burning away the karmic pathways that keep my flow, like whatever that is, um, I'm not able to be with it, right? I'm able to be with it. And, and I'll tell you, Emily, I will say that I, I don't experience a lot of anxiety at all. Like, I mean, I can't even, and it was my existence until I was about 30. I think I started to address it at uh, about 35. I just, but it made me, I did a lot of things made me do a lot of things. I mean, I was class because I was out running it, you know, and it had its purpose, but now I've actually learned to do from a different place, a place of inspiration versus that place of like out running. Like I just got to do something and mm -hmm. we slowly, you know, we do it slowly, but surely, but we, there's a lot of energy and inspiration and there's a lot of energy and fear. Fear is a huge motivator. Which do we choose? Do we choose to be motivated and act and be of service to fear? Or do we choose to be of service to inspiration? Which is like, what like what book do I feel like picking up? Because that's exciting. Versus I got to finish that book, right? I got I, Before I pick up that one. It's a very simple example, right? Like, But it turns a little of the fabric of our world on its side when mm -hmm. we're just what makes us come alive. But... Um, I think it's where we're moving. And I think your generation is really tapping into this. I, yeah, I love that. I, I've been saying, um, I just kind of go by what lights me up, like really. And I, I think like, I also love being in the garden. And so like I was saying, the example of working through obsessive thought pattern, it's like, you, it is my meditation. It's like, I'm able to be there. Like it, it excites me to be there. And 
it's sort of it's like releasing that that spiral of the um obsessive the thought and without knowing what i'm doing i i'm letting it go like even though i'm it's like because i'm so present in the action of um weeding it's like i'm weeding out the mind too <laughs> oh that's beautiful and i you know that's really beautiful and what i saw too is you're actually giving it to the earth so you're actually clearing through through the earth and moving towards something you're moving away from the fear into something you love which is you're intuitively doing the process i'm talking about you're like intuitively moving back into inspiration out of the loop and your being knows right like your being knows where you need to be that's your intuition i need to have my hands in the dirt that was another thing that this woman teaches me. And I love my elders, the women, you know, this, these women who have so much to teach, like just get yourself in the dirt. Like you're saying you're called there, right? It's like, get my hands dirty. And, and I remember once I was um, holding space, a, a ceremony space and it got really intense. And um, I was like, I just laid down on the ground. I took a minute and I, I could just, I was like, okay, the ground will, take it right the ground will take it all for me i just we just lie on the ground and put our hands in and the and the earth will take it mm -hmm. that's beautiful and our bodies are earth so we are that beautiful uh, totally i feel that uh with water too i think uh water specifically for me feels very releasing. It's like the river continues to flow. The only thing that stops is, is a dam or is, you know, obstructions in the way. And I like to imagine myself, I'll go to the river, or I'll go near water and I imagine myself as the water and as it flows. Um, that's very healing for me. But I, yeah, I'd love to hear. So something, something else that came up that I'm curious about um, in my journey has been this sort of, um, uh, walking with with intuition and and learning more about what my body is teaching me and um, allowing that to guide me and sometimes I think our our intuition doesn't necessarily always make logical sense <laughs> um, and even especially like a, an example is like I um, you know even just a couple months ago I was having some like physical health ailments and the whole time I was just like, I know that it is because of this energy moving through me, like the whatever the situation of life. Um, it was very apparent in the way that it was moving through my body and where where I had these physical ailments that it was totally connected to like the stress or the, you know, the fears or all these things. Um, and for me, like I've I've had different gut issues and that's related to second chakra, I believe, and where your inner child lives and doing inner child work sometimes that can like bring up more of that for me so there's been this play uh in this balance for me of like when do i um seek medical help and actually go to the doctor and how much am i just like i know in myself of like i'm i'm doing this work and i'm healing and i'm growing and what's interesting is you know after a while there i did end up going to the doctor and then they ran these tests and they were like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, because it's not, <laughs> you know, and it's so interesting. Our body has these ways of teaching us and these ways of trying to speak to us, um, if only we listen. And I love tying back to what you said earlier. Um, I forget exactly how you said it. The, the like 
the heart whispers it's like between like in, in between the silence or the, I forget how you said it do you remember they say it here in class was it talking about the heart I said it on the podcast Sometimes yeah hey I, I um but yes the quiet the quiet voice oh oh when I was talking about what you want versus like yeah it's a quieter voice it's not always what you want but it is calling you mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and even something like that it's like you know so often with like physical ailments like that you can i at least can become impatient over time where i'm just like oh like i'm still sick or my body's not healing and um that's when i'm like i you just want the medicine to take to just be better and to continue to move on and in those moments i learn the most in those moments of discomfort um, and the practice has been just like being okay and in the discomfort, being somewhat comfortable even in the in the discomfort or just knowing that I'm there um, and that I'm growing through it um, has been a, a really deepening practice for me. But yeah, it's it's like the the balance of um, of the journey, I guess, of just like getting to know the journey of knowing thyself, um, knowing when to call in help. And I love. Um, you even said before we hopped on the podcast, you just did a short meditation to call call it all in. Um, and I think that you have a beautiful way of asking for guidance. Um, and I, I believe that that's inner guidance as well. Um, so yeah, long, long story to come around to. I, I'm curious, um, how do you ask for that inner guidance? Uh, where does, where do you feel that comes from for you and, and what does it, how does it move? What does it move like? Gosh, it's such a beautiful question. It's such a good question. And, you know, the, the guidance, you know, all the guides are, um, all the guide and the guide guidance, we kind of tend to go like this, like they're coming from elsewhere, but I mean, I do believe what Paramahansa Yogananda did teach, which is, this is the movie. And it's actually being projected from the in the internal. I just said this to a friend of mine. I'm like, you know, we think the adventure is on the outside. I mean, the the inside in here, it is like, I mean, this is where all of it comes from, right? Every epic story, science fiction, everything, it all comes from in here and is being projected out there. But so the guidance. You know, it's it's a really we start to lose words when we talk about it, and and I don't because I think our minds can't keep up. But I know now that there is guidance, a very pure guidance available to all of us. And and I'll just speak for me. I know there's very pure guidance available for me, and that when I ask, they it comes, they come, it comes, it, it comes, and a lot of times. I don't even remember what I teach or I'll be teaching something that I don't even know. And I, and I'll want to record it so that I can, my human, (laughs) I'll be teaching something before my human, even it's like, I'm always teaching where I'm learn what I'm learning. And, um, and it's kind of a mind blowing. And sometimes I will teach something and then I will like months, weeks, a year later be like, Oh my God, it'll suddenly be like, that's what that was, you know? And so there was a point, Emily, where, I decided because I was so riddled with fear and anxiety that I, I made a very deep, deep prayer to trust 
right? To trust and to live in the heart and to actually integrate the parts of me um, that, that needed to be integrated, right? Basically a prayer for healing. And I decided to trust that everything that was going to happen from that point forward was in service of my healing. That there, that, that I asked and I choose, I really believe our beliefs, whatever you believe is real. Whatever you believe is real. So then we really have to go in and look at our mind and say, what have we been given that I didn't choose? What beliefs have I been given? And this, I think, is a lot of like, who does this word? Like Joe Dispenza, I think. But like, what beliefs? I haven't done a lot of work with him, but I, I think that he does a lot of this stuff. But what did I not choose? And and what and what beliefs do I choose? So if I choose to believe that this is a an experience given to me by my beloved, right? Like I love Rumi. Like this is I used to say one big love story, right? So um, that whoever's making whatever whoever has just made the sunrise that is putting these trees outside, right? That this something has created this experience for me something that has created this experience for us all that is so loving that I I really have have seen and I, I asked to see we can't make a mistake so it doesn't matter what you do you can't make a mistake everything is in the hands once it's done is in the hands of what I call God it's once it's done and then the prayer is please make good of what has passed please please make good of what has passed so then the thing is like okay do i want to make a doctor's appointment okay you know like sometimes you're like okay i just kind of want to rule that out i know that's a little bit based on fear depends on where i'm at i you know i i hate to say this on on, on a podcast because probably people i know are listening but you know i'm not a big doctor person i mean i love doctors i'm glad they're there and I think there'll be moments like, you know, I had a friend who, you know, I've had friends with cancer and they didn't find it through a mammogram, but I know there's many people who have. So, you know, I think there is this, this part of us that believes we control things. And, you know, my, what I, I, I think the only thing we control is what we choose to believe and what we align ourselves with. And so when I find myself going into fear, I usually just sit back and I don't do anything until I'm in a place that, you know, and sometimes there's signs. Signs are tricky because um, we love stories, but they're also fun. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I just I move a little bit just like where's the next moment where's the next moment and you know sometimes i'll just get a hit like okay i just i think it's like the costume is just wearing it kind of loosely like okay i'll make a doctor's appointment and then make it and don't think again about it if you can if it's yep. gonna, i don't know if that was helpful but <laughs> yeah yeah i love even with the doctor thing like sometimes i i'll meditate and i'll kind of connect with my higher self and with making the doctor's appointment, I'm all like talk to her. And I'm just like, I know we're not supposed to go there, but we're going to do it anyway. And it's like, sometimes like we just got to live out the human experience too. Like we got to let, like give fear its path or, you know, validation and whatever you need for yourself to feel empowered is what I love to follow too. Like 
if you know, like you were saying, if you just need to rule that out, like once I ruled that out, I'm like, okay, yeah. And it honestly, following some of those tests of intuition, I feel strengthened intuition as well. Like, you know, I knew deeply that I didn't need to go to the doctor and I went anyway. And I'm just like, yep, there it is. I did know. And it's, it's this sort of like inner validation and something I've been reflecting on too is like that comes from like that's like soul pride that's like the the heart that's just the 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 knowing that I believe is beyond like the logical or the ego kind of knowing it's just intuition and it's it feels good when you can really lean into that and strengthen that so sometimes I you know like you were saying there's no right and wrong path um I, I believe that everything is sort of opening and guiding us to, you know, strengthen, strengthen our inner knowing, strengthen our, that inner voice, that inner guidance. So, yeah, I love everything that you just shared there. <laughs> you know, what you're saying, Emily, is really beautiful. What you're speaking to, which is, I believe is the experience, is connecting our humanity and our divinity. So not, not denying either one, right? Like, so, so there's both and and that the the knowing like i always will say too in meditation or when we sit down it's like okay if you need to move or wiggle or fix your clothes just do it if it's moving you closer to stillness and then notice if it's moving you further away because there can become obsession right we the, the next doctor the next person the next healer right the next this the next that and we start to recognize it's an imbalance right versus an inquiry and exploration i'm gonna go and i'm staying awake and i'm gonna see and and then it wow okay i did know i did know okay all right so yes you you moved yourself closer to that that space of knowing inside yourself okay maybe next time when i have that knowing i won't i won't make the doctor's appointment but again who knows you go and you have a great interaction with a new person or you you know we just I just, I think that sometimes we can get caught again in our head of like, what is the way outside of the moment? And it, you know, like we want a prescribed way, right? And so within each moment, the choice could be different. And, you know, it's really tricky even as I listen to myself speak, and this happens with yoga students a lot, the heart holds paradox. So I guarantee you, when I listen back to this, I'm going to have said one thing and then <laughs> the exact opposite because they're both true in this space. They're both true. And it's an and, like the heart is and, 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 right? And I always say the third chakra is but. That's the place of but. But, but, but. So, and uh, constantly for me to bring it back around is like, what am I in service of? Right. So, I'm in service of and. I'm in service of the and of this space here. And I am still learning what that even means. And like, I'm humbled every day by it and thinking sometimes I'm, I'm serving the space when I'm not. I'm accidentally serving, you know, all sorts of other things and I'm forgiven instantly. And so is everyone. And we start again, you know, and again and again, but it's actually like very, very simple. And that was another thing that I think that my teachers, one of my teacher's teachers, Jose Rosa said, like, the more complicated it gets, the further we are from the truth, right? The truth is very simple. If there's a lot of stuff, we've, we're just, we got to come back in and, and let the, the 
sand in the jar settle so we can see clearly as to what we do next, you know? Yeah, I often say in my experience, what creates that sort of chaos? Um, because I, I do feel very deeply in tune with my intuition. And at the same time, I'm still learning to um, work through my anxiety. And where where the anxiety comes in is like, I can deeply know something. Um, and then I get caught in the like stretch of time, the stretch of space, the 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 very human aspects of um of the mind, really, it feels like. And so yeah, it's interesting. It's this balance of and and this like rerouting into the heart space and into the intuitive sense, the intuitive knowing of it, I, I, my practice has been, and and when the intu or when the anxiety tries to clutter the intuitive thought, like you're saying, like the intuition, I feel speaks to me through um, the heart, and like centering into the heart, clearing out the the sort of chaos. I like to whenever I hear um, the anxious thought come through, I say, and so it is, and mm. just kind of let that go. Um, so yeah, it resonates so much with a lot of what you just shared. Well, you know, when you're showing to it's, it's, it's the pattern and, you know, the healing of one is the healing of all. And, you know, in some greater sense, really, I am you and you are me. We are all, we, you know, you are a reflection of me. I am a reflection of you. And we can't even begin to go there with our human minds. But, you know, the more we get into our hearts, the more we can feel and sense this. Um, but what you speak to is this pattern that we have, which is like, you've got this knowing and then right over the right shoulder is this, uh, it's self-doubt and self-judgment and that we, we were again, a protective strategy. Um, because sometimes when we choose the path of the heart, we look at the archetypes that choose the path of the heart. It's a, can be the world doesn't always meet it in a, in a gentle way. Right. So the path of the heart is courage, core, C-O-U-R, heart, A-G-E, to act from the heart, right? So it's like um, one of the, my favorite books is by Ajashanti. He's a Buddhist, and he wrote um, Resurrecting Jesus, and he tells the story of Jesus from the Buddhist perspective as the symbol of this journey, right? He's, Jesus followed his heart, and it was not easy. I mean, you know, and we're, we all want to follow our hearts, but we know, and it's a metaphor, right? The crucifixion where we suddenly find ourselves alone, perceive, we, we perceive ourselves to be pretty much alone in our suffering where everyone's turned their backs. We followed our hearts, right? So you have Jesus, he's followed his heart and everyone's turned their backs except for these two archetypes, right? The two women who can't fix him. They can't take them down. They can't do anything. They can just hold the space of compassion and hold the space of knowing the resurrection, which again, metaphorically speaking, that when he steps through that doorway of believing he has been forsaken by everyone, including God, why has thou forsaken me? Then boom, he is, he comes into knowing that he is love and, and that, that he is one with all his brothers and sisters and he is eternal. And, and it's, the metaphor in, in this way, and I know for some it's not, but in the way that I have worked with it is it's a metaphor and Adyashanti's book was amazing. We want to follow our hearts. It is the hero's journey. And we have a lot of mechanisms that are like wanting to protect us 
from from that, but they don't have faith in them, right? And so, you know, I've had people say to me, like, I want, and we don't have time to get into my journey, but I want what you have, but I don't want to go through what you went through. (laughs) That was my journey and everyone has a different one, but my, but really um, we start to recognize as Paramahansa Yogananda would say is there's a great story about Yogananda. He was dying and he would take a breath like every 20 minutes, you know, and his disciples, his devotees were like standing over him and thinking he was dead and, he wait, he comes to at one point and he's laughing and he's laughing and he's laughing and he's like, you all think this is so serious. You think these bodies in this world, he's like, you think this can hurt you? He's like, it's like, you know, like a bug bite. It's like, it can hurt you. And he goes back to sleep for, I don't know, or goes back out and he's not, he takes a breath every 20 minutes. And then he wakes up crying the next time. He's like, but I'm never going to get you to understand that. So you're going to suffer so much. And then he goes back to sleep. And that's the story, which is like, we're so afraid of the, of the, the fire. Like, you know, because I do say this sometimes, I'm like, true spirituality it's not an Instagram meme. Our culture really wants it to be like this very sweet thing. It's fierce, like, and everyone will hit it. Everybody is going to go through it at some point and on the other side. And once we know what's on the other side, we have these people, these folks that are avatars, the Dalai Lama, they're suffering and we laugh because it is the divine dream. You know, it's a dream. We are living, we are in a land of stories. It's a dream and we're learning how the heck to do it, what magic we have. And we don't think that we're okay. But every avatar tells us, every spiritual path, every avatar, the message is all is well. All is well. And so then we can enjoy ourselves and each other and this crazy experience we have, you know, being alive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes and have fun with it I love the like laughter that came through in that story too <laughs> it was very but beautiful I not think any of it was fun when I was you know when we're in the fire when when Jesus is hanging on the cross you don't think that he was thinking that was fun <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and you know in a different sense like what if what if we could go through every situation of life with a little bit more ease like a yeah. like carrying that piece and just like that an example that i i've maybe brought up on the podcast before i can't remember um there was a time last summer where like my intuition was telling me that there was something coming i was i was going camping on uh, vancouver island and intuitively i just like i could feel the energy that like something was about to happen and it wasn't based in fear. And I was checking in with myself and saying like, no, like I'm not afraid to go to this campsite. There's nothing, like I got everything that I need. I just knew that something was coming and I'm driving down, I'm 40 minutes away from cell service. I'm driving down this road and I get a flat tire like a mile from uh, my campsite. And I was stuck there for four nights um, with this flat tire and had to rely on the help of others around me. And it was a very like, you know, on the outside. And I love sharing this story because it can it can seem very intense. Um, but yeah. in that moment, like I I think it it might have been even the way that I went into it, like knowing, like there was that deep knowing that something was coming, but everything would be okay. So during it, 
fear didn't come up at all, which was so interesting to be in that experience, to be literally there could have been, there was a sighting like two years prior of a grizzly bear or <laughs> like, you know, there's, there are things to be afraid of yeah. around there and there's people and I don't know these people and I'm really relying on my trust and my intuition um, in that experience of knowing who, who, who may be able to help me knowing that I'm going to be okay or trusting that I'm going to get through this um, one way or another. And yeah, that was just such a deep practice for me to be like, I had such a surrender to control because there's nothing, there's literally, there was nothing I could do unless I wanted to put my backpacking gear on and try to hike into town, which would have taken me at least like I was a while away. I think I was at least 20 miles away from anything. And, you know, like be, then that, then I would be out on my own and I would, you know, a different survival sense. So I stayed put and I just breathed through it and I played through it. I, I was like dancing and listening to music and practicing yoga and meditating a lot. Just, I was just there, just so purely there in a, in a sense that like, even when uh, things came around and I did end up getting help from others, it was like, such a moment I was I was in this meditation and in this prayer of like saying like I'm gonna need some help here like I'm stuck um and I wake up I open my eyes from this meditation and there's two people coming and they were like my saving grace they helped me through the next few days and I don't know that experience was so profound and so beautiful and I anytime I get caught in the in another situation where I'm trying to control or I'm I'm losing, I, I think whenever I'm not laughing or dancing, there's somewhere that I'm losing myself <laughs> because myself is naturally very playful and very just interactive and joyful and all of these things. So um, yeah, I'd like to go back to that example. I'm like, I, I was in a very bad, quote unquote, like a hard situation and I was still okay and I made it through that. And yeah, yeah kind of carrying that essence through everything. Yes. Oh, God, it's a beautiful story. And it's funny because you're also illuminating as we move up the chakra system, you're illuminating the fifth chakra. And, and what I know about the fifth chakra, the throat, the healing of the fifth chakra is choice. So in each moment, we can choose how, you know, and there, the yoga has been described by Bhavani Makit. She said, um, it's, it's the development of infinite um, numbers of responses to life that we can choose. So often victimhood is the idea that we don't get to choose, right? So there's that. But if you you chose how to meet, you met that experience in service of what it is you're devoted to, right? So you say you're devoted to joy and all of these things. So any opportunity is is an opportunity to bring that forward, right? Mm -hmm. But in in alignment with truth, right? Because you, it's you were very truthful. You were like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna make this experience. I'm gonna co-create with this experience, right? So I, I love. I think it was Matt Kahn said he called it the flaw of attraction. This whole law of attraction thing, where everybody's trying to manifest their dreams, because he said most people don't know their co-creator, right? So you were very aware. Your co-creator gave you a situation. Right? Your co-creator gave you a situation, but you're not, a, you, you got to actually then co-create with it and bring in through you this joy and this faith. And, and then, I mean, 
uh, incredible. That in and of itself is the most beautiful teaching, what you just described. And that's where our power lies. Like, you know, things happen. People get sick. People die. We we believe this is a terrible thing. You know, Jerry Lopez um, said something really profound to me. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a he's a he's an incredible man. He was, a lot of people know him from surfing. But he he said, I asked him once about you know he used to surf these like crazy things, and um, his his wife is a, is a dear friend, beloved people. And he said, he's a, he's a very unique person, but he, he said, um, he said, I said, weren't you afraid? I was like, weren't you afraid? He said, well, afraid of what? I was like, well, afraid of dying. And this was years ago. I think this was like right at the beginning before I had even done any of this. And he said, no, you don't control. You don't, oh, I have power here. You don't control when you come in and you don't control when you go out. He's like, so just do what you're called to do, because like we really do believe we control. And, and, and at the same time, right, the balance that you keep speaking to so beautifully about the human. We also aren't reckless. We are we stay in discernment. We stay in mm -hmm. alignment with our heart. Mm -hmm. So it's both, it's and. Yes, I think that's a good point too, because there's, you know, if I've shared this story with like a, an aunt who worries or even my mother or whatever, it's they're just like, well, what are you doing? Like, you're just like, you're, you're following, like it, it almost seems like there's this chase of adrenaline or, you know, this like living so, uh, I guess, recklessly in what you're saying. And I'm like, but there's, there's something deeper. It's, it's growing in my heart space. Like it's, it's following intuition. And even though intuition, my intuition told me to go there. I knew so deeply that I was meant to go to that specific place. Yeah. And I, I asked myself and I asked my intuition over and over because the doubt came in or the fears of like, there's something coming. I can feel the energy, like something's coming. And I just trusted the path so deeply and continued forward. And yeah, I think um, what you said, just resonated so deeply because uh, sometimes it can, from other people's perspectives, um, it can it can look like you're you're going uh, at least in this example specifically. Like it could look like I'm just being reckless or I'm not being thoughtful. And I'm like, actually, it's almost the opposite. Oh, this is another beautiful um, discernment in energy in in working with our energy system. What you're talking about, because you're you're showing what you're showing me is very congruent with what you're saying. You are in your heart, and you're seeking an aliveness and an inspiration that comes through your heart. There is we the al aliveness is in the second chakra. So that's the place. The mantra of the second chakra is "I am alive." It's also a place where as far as what I've experienced, it's where addiction lives. So we can get addicted to getting that kind of energy from reckless behavior. People who do things, they put themselves on the edge all the time for that sense of aliveness, right? That And that keeps the energy kind of locked in down in the lower chakras sometimes. It's also, a, they call it, we want to feel present. So some we're going to be very present if we are about to die, right? Like if we have to be I, you know, it's, it actually puts people at their edge of greatness because they're, you know, people who do extreme sports and these things, they have to be, they have to be so present. So, but what you're speaking to, and I think what the fear your family's talking about, they're two different places. They're actually not seeing, right? You're talking about 
this place of trusting in this, this faith in where your quiet voice is guiding you versus a reaching for an experience of adrenaline. Like that's a, those are, those come from very different places and they're very, they're, they are, they can get confused, but I can assure them if you'd like, I'm watching you. <laughs> and it's not that the other one is bad or wrong. It's just that it, we want to eventually in energy medicine, call that energy up to the heart. And it also doesn't mean that people who are doing these things aren't aligned with their hearts calling, right? So it's really discerning when we're in addictive behavior and when we're in actually inspired behavior, right? And, those, and again, this is, as we do work with our energy bodies, as we do work on ourselves, it's so subtle. It's like we're fine tuning all the time. And I think sometimes for, you know, depending, you know, those are loved ones who are just like not even dipping their toes in this stuff yet. They've got a set of rules that you live by because prior to you live by a set of rules, right? So and that was the structure in the container. And, um, and so like even viewing a spiritual path, like not as rules necessarily, but as a structure and knowing like, you're you've outgrown the structure that your family or or what i don't know if it's your family but you know we can, we tend to out, outgrow the structures and new structures are coming into play right and um and there's a lot around our discerning because our third our second chakras and our third chakras when they're operating on their own they're very convincing Right. We can go and we can go into relationships and relation, you know, human relationships can get very addictive. The, the pattern of like energy, it's just like I need I need energy, you know, like from drugs, from all sorts of things, alcohol. We're turning on the second chakra because there's an aliveness there, but we're not moving that energy upward. Mm. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that too. Cause I know my almost every podcast episode, my mom's like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some stories that um, you may tell you, like for me, I tell my mom a part of a backpacking trip and then I share the full story here or whatever. Yeah. And then she gets the chance to listen. And then, you know, so this was, yeah, very healing for me. And I'm sure my mom will be thanking you. Well, well. And to speak to your mom, I'm a mom too. And, you know, it's a really interesting thing because I live this, I live this stuff and I, and, and yet I, I see when it comes to our children that we want to, we want to protect them at all costs. And we think we have this belief that we can <laughs> protect our children because it was built into us. But you know, but we are, we, we're all as parents. I, Elizabeth Lesser has this beautiful thing that says like, parenting is a, is a boat that you get in with your children and your children get out and they go and explore the world and you're still in the boat <laughs> trying to parent them and they're, they're not in the boat anymore. And it's, it's a, and we're always going to be in the boat cheering you on, you know, <laughs> my daughter is a huge teacher because even my daughter, you know, she's my kids way ahead of me, really. And, and it's amazing to see the expansion that happens with each generation and they push the previous generation to expand as well. Like you are pushing the expansion you are, are um, and, you know, 
um, you and your mom are a team, you know, growing. I see this with my own mom too. Like as I grow, she grows and, um, and it's just amazing. And my daughter is the same. We're very, our DNA, as our DNA shifts, everyone in the line forward and back. I think you started there somewhere. I remember, I don't know how long we've been going, but you were talking about, you go, we, we, we affect backwards and forwards down the line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. That's so beautiful. Um, so I love, I know we, you mentioned that you might have a poem that you can share to, to close I off. I do. Let me see here. I, you know, it's funny because I was one I was going to share, but I actually want to, I'm now feeling inspired just to share the other one. Um, All right. The dance and the fire for some reason. I was going to share one called A Message from Nowhere that actually came out of nowhere to me in a moment when I was really struggling. Um, but this one, I don't know why I'm being called to being called to dance in the fire and I don't even remember what it says. Um, Can you share it? So do you, how do, how are you connected to poetry? How long have you been writing? You know, um, I have been a writer my whole life. I, um, I've written a few books and I have one, one that's published and it's, it's actually a romantic comedy about yoga and that was really fun. Um, and then I, so I've always written and I've always, it's sort of the way that I speak. There's sort of a muse that you probably know this, right? And a lot of us have it where there's crafting and then there's like something just comes through. Um, and so my poetry tends to come at moments of great suffering. Um, and, and, um, and they tend to be very, um, they tend to teach. I'm really torn as to which one to share with you. You're welcome to do both also. <laughs> I mean, it's um, up to you. Um, I, I'd also, before we, before we move into the poem, if we could also yeah. just kind of close to kind of bring it around on intuition. So as you were talking about your experience with writing and poetry, I, I feel yeah. very similarly where it's, it's like my heart is speaking. There's like some inner guidance coming out when I'm writing and yes. specifically when poetry is coming through. Um, and, you know, poetry for me started, it came through when I was going through separation and then a divorce. Um, I didn't even know that I could write poetry. And when I say could, like it almost makes me feel funny because I'm like, it wasn't, it was coming through me. It's always come through me. Um, and it's, I, I don't know if I've ever had a time where I sit down, I'm like, I'm gonna write a poem. Like it's just, it, it just happens. Um, and that feels very connected to like the heart space and intuition too, where my intuition is like, you know, my intuition comes through, I'll, I'll be painting or I'll be in sort of a, a flow state or a meditative mindset of on a hike or out in the garden. And I hear this poem start to form. And when I give it space and allow it, it, it you know, comes together. Um, and that feels like some very true form of inner guidance and intuition for me. Yes. Um, but I'm curious how it comes up for you and any other ways that you may connect with your intuition and um, any tips that you may have for others um, connecting with intuition as well. Oh, I love what you just said. It reminds me, I'm, I remember watching Elizabeth Gilbert talk about writing and she would talk about it being like a herd of bulls. And for me, it is like that when I, I also paint and, um, and when something wants to come through, it will keep me up all night. 
like it wants to be expressed and it won't quiet down until I express it. And so I actually feel lucky. I, um, I think I have, I've asked for it. I, things are not subtle in my, in my being. They're very, my, when it's subtle, I actually, this is, I'm actually discovering this as I'm speaking it to you. And this is really, I'm actually super grateful because I've always wondered in moments where I had to plug in my phone, so I'm tipping a little. But in moments where, um, in moments where things are are feeling like a little, like I can't discern the intuition, I can wait because for me it gets very strong. And I think probably for most people, we're just we're often not willing to wait, right? Uh, because like I said, Elizabeth Gilbert used to talk about it like a herd of bulls, and it's like you got to jump on or it's going to go rushing past you. And um, yeah, and so, you know, when I started painting, the first painting I ever did, I was my, it was my divorce had happened and my kids had gone to, to be with their dad for a week. And it was the first time I was without them and I was really hurting. And I had this huge canvas and I had kids acrylic paints and I had makeup brushes. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna paint to heal my heart. That's <laughs> my, I'm just gonna paint because I don't know what else to do with myself right now. And um, I wasn't ready to sit and let it burn at that point, like I talked about. And I just painted, started at 4 p.m. And I painted straight through till 5 in the morning. And I didn't stop. And I, and I, time, I lost a sense of time. And um, it was really healing. And that tends to happen to me. My writing tends to happen in the middle of the night as well, um, often. Or when I'm in a period of what feels like intense suffering, it feels like I'm being squeezed. Something will come through. Um, I love what you shared about the, um, uh, you know, someone, I was talking with someone about this recently. They're like, sometimes I, I hear that, that inner guidance, that inner voice. And, and they, they're like, I don't write it down quick enough. And so then it goes away. And I'm like, it's always there. Um, mm. there there's no like needing to grab it or hold it right in that moment. But um, I love too what you're saying is like, when you when when it calls let it like go with it like when it even if it calls you in the middle of the night even if it keeps you up until 5 a.m like flowing with it is such a gift it, it will like it continues to give to us when we give to it like there's it becomes this reciprocal flow i believe um yeah. when you create that space so i love how you shared that it's really beautiful well, yeah, that's, it's interesting, you know, and it's funny. I think it, it does depend on the person. I have a friend who's a writer and she wakes up every morning at the same time and she writes until a certain time. Then she has her coffee, then she writes and then she goes to the gym. She does it every day. And then I have other friends who it's like the creative thing comes surging through and then it's quiet for a while. And then it comes surging through and it's quiet for a while. And, um, you know, Elizabeth, Gilbert, again, I think in Big Magic talks about how she and another author had both had no contact and both had this obscure idea for a book. And, and, um, and, uh, and I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert had put it down and the other woman picked it up. And she talks about this idea that there are things that want to come through to this plane. They want to come in and they're going to find a channel. So if you're available, it will use you. And that's one of the things that in my spiritual path, they talk about being available, being available for this. And um, 
And, um, oh my gosh, I could go into, so I'm thinking there's, there's many other ways we could go with this, but I know we're coming to a close. So, but it, this idea of being available to, um, in, in fine tuning what's coming, like what's coming through. And, um, I, when I feel a certain quality, I, I allow myself to, to just stop and do it for the most part, whatever thing asks me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's um, like the purity of presence too. And I think that's also like the alchemy of um, energy healing. It's just like noticing when there's something inside of you calling and maybe it's calling through that inner voice, through that heart, through that inspiration. And maybe like um, even something I've been reflecting on is like in yoga, we do like the half moon. So you're in kind of yes. a, a balance. And sometimes like my, my right side will be super strong. And then my left side, I'm like, oh, my, my foot's a little like, you know, we have these ways that our bodies are teaching us and getting to know, like, I, the curiosity really drives me there. of like, why is my left side off? And sure, we have dominant sides um, of our, you know, I'm right-handed or whatever, but um, I can, when you like, when I meditate on that, and when I go into that, in the practice of yoga and meditation, and I, I'll notice like a specific point of my foot that's uh, like carrying pressure and that's actually creating this imbalance in me. Um, uh -huh. And not, not to go like super off, but I've been uh, getting into reflexology a little bit more and learning more about those pressure points. Oh, the feet. Yes. Yeah, the feet. And then, you know, then it's like, oh, wow, it's showing me a connection to my bladder. And I have had an issue with my bladder or, you know, like everything is connected. Um, so <laughs> It's so true. And, you know, I do realize, too, when you say that there also are times like that are very specific, right? So like in a healing room and when I go to teach a yoga class or when you go to do these podcasts where we ask to be channels in that moment and the prayer and the intention and the sincerity of the intention allows, cause I, I you know, this space, my healing space has never failed me. Um, so, and it's the intentionality and the meditation you and I did to start where we make it very clear that we are asking or to to allow something to come through. So it's both. It's and again. It's and. It's the heart. <laughs> we <got ourselves. laughs> it, yep, we, we got through all of the layers and we're back to the simplicity of the yes. heart. <laughs> uh, yes, so beautiful. Yes. Um, anything else that you would like to share um, before we close and bring in this poem? No, just my gratitude, Emily. My gratitude and... Um, yeah, my just my gratitude and what a wonderful conversation this was. And it's amazing how when we do share with each other, how much opens up. I just learned so much. I just mm -hmm. learned so much. I physically talking. feel like my I was feeling a lot of energy moving in my crown chakra and opening. So uh, yeah, yeah, I feel it too. Back of like the whole back, they call it the mic, the chimney, the whole back of the channel. It feels very open right now. Yeah. Oh, so thankful for you. Thank you for sharing. I'm, I'm sure we could carry on in conversation. I think we probably could. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to even, I can't even see with my phone what time it is, but um, well, I can end with this poem and I'll tell you this poem 
came through at a period, it was actually before my life rearranged itself, but I was really feeling like I was in a lot of despair, a lot of anxiety. It was the night of a full moon. I had two little children. I was really scared. And this just came through and it was uh, the title of it. I called it a message from nowhere because uh, actually when I read it to my teacher, he's like, well, you have your, you have your, um, syllabus for the next 10,000 lifetimes <laughs> after I read it to him, but it was really um, soothing. It came through and it was like, I don't know where it came from, but it came from the source of comfort for me. Mm. And um, so it goes like this. Um, when, when I look into your eyes, I see only light for that is who you are, a child of your creator a star illuminating the dark. You need not question this, although you do and you will, and so I give you this. There is no need to adopt the dark as your costume, for it arrives asking only for your love and not to stay. Offer it freely, be not afraid. You get confused, my child, I know. You see monsters and rage, violence and hurt, you see with your shielded eyes a world unprotected, a world gone awry. You tremble and you fight. You judge and you hide. You shackle these embryonic visitors and usher them to the basement of your being. You lock the door. You nail it shut. Now I am safe, you say. You do this because you do not yet understand. You do this because you think you know. You do this because you have forgotten who you are. Over time, these shadowy guests will begin to scratch at your door. Their voices will echo in your mind and you will see them in the many faces that greet you. And you will believe they have taken over. And you will say to yourself, I am so full of judgment. I am so full of anger. I am so full of hate. But these are not yours, my child. They are simply seeds, seeds that need your light seeds sprinkled across the whole of humanity. I have given you many seeds as you are my beloved gardener, and yet you seal them from the nourishment I intended. So now I tell you this, they, these seeds have but one mission, to open your heart and to remind you of who you are. You are the light that takes anger and violence and makes it forgiveness. You are the light that takes jealousy and greed and fashions unity and generosity. You are the light that takes shame and self-hatred and transforms it into compassion and truth. You are the alchemist. This is what you came to earth to do. This, my child, is what you came to earth to do. Learn this trade. Yes, you can build buildings. You can craft temples gather great crowds, write laudable prose, but stay awake, dear one. If you are creating only to hide what you have decided is not welcome, you will feel heavy and lost, for all must be welcomed into the space of the heart. I ask you to swing open the rusty basement doors of your being, call forth the restless visitors, meet them with curiosity and love, and then release them. Release the anger, the judgment, the fear, the separation, the condemnation. See them, name them, laugh at the idea that you ever took them for monsters. Touch them with the light of your awareness as the sun touches the green shoots of a bulb. 
and then only then will all be revealed as perfection. This is the miracle you crave. You are the miracle you crave. Thank you all for tuning in. And thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing your radiant light. We'll see you all at the next new moon. Shanti, shanti, shanti. Peace, peace, peace.